I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome everyone to the Blurdy Massacre podcast. We have a great show planned out for you guys today. Uh, you know, your basic fix for all things black and all things nerdy. Let's go. What's poppin'? Anyway, before we get into our show today, let's introduce our hosts. What's going on? The people's everywhere listening through things through your ears. This is Brother Ghoulish, <laughs> the host of Brother Ghoulish's Tomb. Brother Ghoulish's Dragula Breakdown and other Brother Ghoulish things. Uh, that's me. <laughs> Ooh, love it. Uh, I am Sheree the Slayer. I am half of a nightmare on Fierce Street, and I am one eighth of the Altar Tapes, and I am one of your blurs today for this traveling adventure. Um, your exits don't exist, so sit down. <laughs> You wouldn't know. You might as well buckle the fuck up, right? <laughs> right? This is Spirit Airlines. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> no. That's what you get for paying 17 bucks for this round-trip flight. Right. Now sit down. No. <laughs> buckle up. God we can't use three coupons for this ride. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> and my name is Zero Gravity. I'm New York City's spookiest MC. And uh, my knees hurt after Friday. So let's get this podcast popping. <laughs> Before we get into the good stuff um, for this episode, what's popping? Let's see what's going on recently in the horror community. What's going down right now? Um, first things first, I want to say I was at work last week. And I started bouncing off the walls as soon as I got that email from AMC um, indicating that we're finally getting the shut uh, the shutter. Excuse me, the sadness on the shutter come uh, May twelfth, I believe. Mm-hmm. I was thrilled because I was really waiting for this moment. Um, I was blessed to see it IRL um, at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. Um, last year and um, it was the only screening that I got to see just because I was busy for the rest of the screening nights but I am so glad that I caught my tickets when I did because it sold out very very quickly um, in a very small theater in Brooklyn Nighthawk 
And I left emotionally, physically, mentally. I don't even know what other avenue there is, but I left that theater like, oh my God. In freaking sane. Think the crazies, y'all, but just like crank it up to like level 24. I was having the best time in the theater. And um, I, I don't really understand. I mean, granted, I don't know much about um, the publishing industry, but I really didn't understand why this movie didn't pop off immediately. You know, it, it got really great reviews, um, I believe, in Taiwan, and but it just really didn't make it out after that. And it's, it's been over a year since it's been released. Um, and I was just so confused as to why no streaming services, uh, no publishing companies picked up this damn movie because it is fucking insane, man. So I have been uh, subconsciously waiting for this announcement since October, and I was very pleased to get it. And uh, I think this might be like watch party material or something because it's not a very safe one to do alone. I don't think. I don't think it is. I am into this already, just from what you said. Um, I'm making a space in my calendar right now for May 12th. I will see you there, Shudder. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Mm, I am too. It, it sounds interesting. I haven't seen The Crazies yet, though, but I know what it's about. Really? Yeah. The Crazies is definitely a fave. It's, I mean, of course, it's not a perfect movie or anything, but, you know, it's in that kind of gray area that's like, infection movie you know people get upset when you call them zombies because they're not running around biting people but it you know the general i know right i roll the yeah. general uh invasion apocalypse infection kind of movie and the reason why i, I compare it to the crazies is because um the infected population are like infected with a kind of rage or like 28 days later really um just crazy motherfuckers like everywhere like you know still with motor functions still um uh vocal about things which kind of makes it another level of scary because it's not just like a virus there's just pure hatred and just ugliness of the world and it, it makes it even more uh touching i guess because it actually takes place during this pandemic i believe they call it something else but you know you see the masks on the ground and and you get it and it, it hits harder because of that i don't know maybe that's why it didn't get picked up immediately because it's kind of it's still pretty soon you know what i'm saying <laughs> but, I, I just want to i just want us to all agree because this is a conversation that keeps happening in the horror community on twitter if it gurgers like a zombie, it's a zombie. Yeah. Let's stop being precious. <laughs> I'm saying this is a conversation that I love to have with author Sylvester Barzi online. Mm -hmm. And he is like, you know, the, the king of zombies in the blurred community is as far as I'm concerned. So I agree with what that man says. That's it's an argument that I'm just like, I've, I've, I've been a nerd for too long. I'm not trying to die. I mean, hey, maybe I might die on that hill. It's looking more like you're going to die on that hill, not me. But if it walks like a zombie, if it looks like a zombie, let's just let's just be real. Right. And call it a zombie. The only exception, though, I will give is a I Am Legend. Because um, they were vampires in the books, and then they kind of turned them into zombies in the movie, but, like, still had vampire qualities. So 
somewhere of a mix between the two. But if we're talking about zombie cinema, yeah, let's just throw that one in there too. It's fine. Yeah. That that's wild because I feel like vampires are sexier, but zombies are more gruesome. Yeah. And so to like make that leap, I mm, now I'm gonna read the book. <laughs> Yeah, the only time I don't think about because like vampires are always like you said more sensual unless it's I don't know why the ones from like the angel makeup where the face gets scrunched up <laughs> and, and then I think about how they did that on Eddie Murphy for uh, Vampire in Brooklyn and he, and he was looking like a Klingon and I was like <laughs> that ruching is like ooh I'm not turned on anymore but everything before that is so hot because like all the velvet drapes the leather right. plaid pants of course. I imagine that their apartments smell like dragon blood incense. Like it's giving me all of the sensuality. I'm, the right of I'm, like, I'm getting kind of vapory over here thinking about these vampires. <laughs> calm down. Calm down. Listen, oh, that's a different podcast. Put that on OnlyFans page. Uh-uh. <laughs> so y'all mean to tell me when y'all saw Louis in that frilly ass shirt, an interview with a vampire, y'all didn't feel anything. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to comment. <laughs> I don't need them to know my business. <laughs> no, because if you're a vampire, I saw that as a child, and I was like, "So Brad Pitt and Antonio Banderas just running around here being hot, okay?" Right. But they kept giving Tom Cruise stuff to do, and I don't know for who. <laughs> there was a really cool picture of Tom Cruise getting up in the makeup for that movie that was on our timeline earlier this week that blew my mind because, like, he literally had his hands put out like um, very. What's a non-offensive way to put my hands up and say it like this for people that will be seeing this video. And like literally people were just like tending to him, like doing everything. And he had the effect that was on his face, like when Lestat went down into the water. And so like he was like, you know, rotting. It looks so good. I mean, the makeup looked good. I just I've never been a Tom Cruise fan. Um, he's always, I don't know what it is about him. There's just some people I look at him like, we can never be friends. And that, <laughs> he's one of them. that man is a nut. He <laughs> is a whole nut. <laughs> like I, before he jumped on Oprah's couch, which the disrespect, Ooh. like to run into a black woman's TV show and put your feet on her couch and jump around. Um, Wait, out of he pocket. did what? For, oh, really? He did that? I think it's one of the reasons she ended the show. She was like, clearly I'm being disrespected on my own stage. We got to cut this up. Um, yeah, he I got literally, some research to do later. Shit. When he was having his I'm Tom Cruise and I'm not stable no more tour, um, he was just jumping on her couch in his shoes. On yeah, he the was screaming that he loves Katie, uh, whatever her Holmes. name was. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I love Katie. I love this woman. It was definitely giving, you know, under the influence of something because it was very know. strange. Like, it was very weird. With his shoes on, though, oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, he lost his damn little man mind. Like I, <laughs> this is not the short king energy you want to see on daytime TV. And I remember just being like, if I were Oprah, I would throw hands. But Oprah is a classier lady than I am, and so she was like, mm, "That's our last was, interview." That thing was so crazy that even when they parodied it in scary mo- one of the scary movies, even that didn't hold up to the insanity of the actual scene like it didn't need to be parodied no i am i am taken aback right now but it's not something that i totally don't believe would happen for a man like tom cruise because he's just kooky all sorts of kooky yeah like i just i i have never been a fan um and then i saw that and i was like it's reaffirmed 
<laughs> yeah, something off his couch on national TV. Uh-uh. <laughs> I ain't gotta make amends. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Period. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what else is popping? We got the new Cronenberg joint with my waifu, Kristen Stewart, who, by the way, Twitter, y'all need to leave her alone. You Ooh. leave my wife alone. I love that woman. Okay. What they saying? <laughs> Everything mean under the sun. It's it's a very similar, you know, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson cannot get away from Twilight. They neither of them can. And I'm, you know, I'm glad it boosted their careers and everything, but it's like a Harry Potter situation. Like Daniel Radcliffe will never not be Harry Potter. She will never not be Bella. And I think that people just like hate her for that. And I think Robert Pattinson is like. He's got a little bit more uh, big production, uh, highly anticipated or not highly, highly viewed uh, films under his belt. So he's gotten a little bit more away from Twilight. But then he did Batman and then it just all came back because haters are going to be haters. But anyway, I really love Krista Stewart and I think she's super hot and I loved her in Underwater. And uh, that film just really does something to me. Didn't get its flowers. But anyway, I'm very excited for this one. Uh, the trailer is, like, super confusing. I'm assuming that y'all didn't watch the trailer. Of course not. <laughs> of course, you people. I saw a picture and I muted that word um, so people wouldn't ruin it. Because it's a Cronenberg, so I got to see it. <laughs> what picture did you see? Oh, my God. It was just, it was her. And, like, it was, like, a green or blue filter. And I was, like, already too much. It's already too much. Oh, okay. There is like worse shots from that trailer that you could have seen. So I'm going to keep it at that. But even if you were to watch the trailer, I don't know if you could guess what the fuck this movie is about. It's like really, really freaking ambiguous. Like, yeah, I still have no idea what it's about, but there was some really cool imagery in there. And of course, uh, it's going to be up, hopefully, will be up to the Cronenberg standard. Especially after uh, Possessor, the film that his son did. Mm-hmm. I Did y'all see that one? I, I no. saw it. It's on Hulu or it was on Hulu last year. And it's a really great movie. I have issues with the way the one Black person was treated. Um, <laughs> um, but other than that, it's a really good movie. But I was not prepared for that. So I was like, look here, Cronenberg Jr. And I had to have some words on my podcast about it. <laughs> I'm gonna talk to my listeners about this later. Right. And y'all, you'll hear from me. You're gonna rue this day, man. Me and all 500 of my listeners are coming for you. <laughs> we'll catch you. What? <laughs> I was not a fan of the movie Possessor. I just like at all. I was just. I found myself angry when the movie ended. I found myself. I was into it. I liked it, but I found myself wanting to first off talk to him about the way that black woman was treated. Um, and secondly, read um, pieces by people who are possibly trans, because I think that what they are fucking with on some level is definitely some identity politics and things and conversations that I don't think he should be having. I mean, I don't know him, so maybe I'm completely wrong and he should be having them and I'm an asshole. Uh-huh. But I did not feel like this was something he'd been studying or talking about or like working with for a minute. It felt like he was like, I'm going to do this. And so we have all these leanings about gender and I'm just like, oh, oh, what are, okay, but like, mm, I think uh-huh. we should hire some people. <laughs> uh, I see. I don't know. I only saw that one time. So maybe I could give it another rewatch 
oh, I'll never go back in. <laughs> or I not. Can't say you should. <laughs> yeah. Or not. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I all I remember is being just like kind of pissed. Um, and then there was that whole fiasco about like the unrated version, but like the unrated version just had like a little bit of dick and balls in it, and like that was it. It was kind of a hubbub over nothing, if you ask me. Listen. But it's fine. I am I am much more excited for this one just from that little peek in the trailer. Um, and it was a short trailer too, but just the imagery looks like we're really leading into body horror and it also it's giving me life it kind of has this like sci-fi horror feel that reminds me of um the short from vhs 94 like the cyborg one. Oh yeah yeah like that kind of vibe uh like dystopian future uh, cyborg horror or something like that um but i still have have no idea but the imagery is is there for me so i don't know i'm ready i'll get my ticket like i'm gonna see it just because like i i got into the cronenberg train late in life because like as a kid sci-fi shit was always on and so i i've seen bits and pieces of like the fly and stuff but since like i was like i'm gonna actually like put time in and do some homework i'm like oh he'd be hidden oh like yes even like for being around in the 80s um where things were just always problematic his movies be hidden like i watched the brood a couple months weeks ago the brood slaps i haven't seen when she when she lifts that dress up i'm just like the fuck is we doing (laughs) 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 that's that's the best reaction you can possibly get out of one of uh out of a cronenberg film what the fuck is this? Right? Because I was with it. I was like, okay, these like weird little like messed up elves are like attacking people. Who's going to be enemies of her? So she's probably related somehow and she's involved in this. And then she was like, I'm not only involved, I'm the president. And opens up that dress. It's like, oh no! No! Stop oh, no. licking that baby sack! Oh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> What else is popping, y'all? I see some more stuff on this list. What's good? Um, so a black lady sketch show is back, and we brought up Miss Robin because she's a queen and she's gonna give us some horror eventually. But like, also this show has that whole element of them being at the end of the world, possibly that keeps taking turns. And so y'all better be giving them these views, or we're fighting. Like, just go ahead and line up if you're not watching a black lady sketch show. So I can start tagging you right here, right now. Let's do it. Look, right here, right now. I. It was getting a little bit of like kind of thriller vibes from that first episode. Like we could be leaning into maybe some like parody thriller parody territory. Um, So we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Just because, you know, like you said, the whole overarching theme that's been going on for since the first season about like the end of the world or whatever. I'm like so with it. It's like a mix of the end of the world with, I don't know, maybe a little bit of like uh, Saw uh since since that first episode it's like a kind of a test or um some sort of big brother is always watching kind of thing i don't know no but Uh, i'm glad to have it back i really am i'm so happy to have it because not only is it like a hysterical show but they also give us that so we have to tune in because you can't miss an episode because then you're like what happened 
like the episode from this weekend, we get a little bit more of this new situation they're doing with it because it takes a turn. I can't figure it out, which I love because um, it keeps going. But also this and it'll, it's not afraid to fold in on itself and come back. And so like this episode this weekend made me very happy. And I'm like, oh, are we going to do this now? Are we going to do this now, too? Yeah, I can't wait to take the dive. It's a Black Lady sketch show this new season. It's easily one of my favorite sketch shows. And yeah, it just seeing like some of the clips and stuff, I already know that they're up to the same foolishness and I, I need every piece of it. <laughs> Yo, you know what? I totally forgot. There was a Purge reference. Yeah, there was in the is first Qu episode. Is Quinta back this season by any chance? No. I know it's not likely because Abbott Elementary is going on, but... Right. I that is the most painful thing because she left and she's successful and so you can't be mad at her. But also you like, can you just come back a couple times a season? Yeah, just once or twice. Yeah. Right? Just one skit, you know, just sprinkled in every now and then. Right. But like, she's doing her thing. So I guess I can't be mad. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just I'm disappointed. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Abbott Elementary did hit me last weekend because mm. I'm I'm behind in that always. Um, but they had this quote that like the janitor gave to the love interest, who's I don't know names because I'm awful. Um, it's fine. We know who you're talking about, right? Y'all seen him? He's on all the stuff. Yeah. Um, but he hit him with this quote that like sometimes a dream is more of a distraction than a goal. Oh, and yep. I was yeah. like, Quinta, how dare you come for me at two a.m.? I'm trying to drink and support you, and you're gonna read me this way. <laughs> immediately stop immediately there's a lot Damn, of those moments good. in that show it's like i know they're like kind of talking about like second graders for most of the time but like me a grown woman i'm like damn should i be taking this advice is this bad if i take a second grader's advice i don't right. know I feel like as a country, we've just gone so far in the direction of not giving us like free healthcare that we're now looking at elementary for like therapy. And yep. that is sad, but accurate. Cause I'm just like, you're right. I'm going to reassess. I'm going to get my <laughs> post-its out. And I'm going to think about what I thought I wanted. Thank you. <laughs> and the credits are watching me like, bitch, this is a show. Like, <laughs> what did you, this is Hulu. What? <laughs> What I like about Abbott Elementary is I remember being like a kid or whatever and like thinking that my like when I would leave school, my teachers would just like power down in their seats and like only exist <laughs> when we came back. The idea of them having like lives and love interests and stuff like that was like I wasn't really concerned about it at the kids age of the kids in this show. But now that like I'm an adult and I can actually relate to like the teachers, not as an educator, but just as a millennial, just trying to stay fucking alive after COVID and hit us three, four times. Like it's something else. Like I'm really, really enjoying the dynamic. It's a really funny show. It definitely grew on me. It did. Cause I think I came in salty. Cause I'm like, this ain't Blackly's guest show. And uh... so I was definitely salty. I was like, I'm always gonna watch it because it's black people on network TV and it ain't blackish. So like you're gonna get these views, but I'm bitter. And then they was like, also hear these moments like, damn you, damn you. <laughs> what else? Anything else for Wush Poppin? Because we're talking about comedy, which is always a thing we end up doing here anyways. I can't say enough good things about Jared Carmichael's Rathaniel on HBO Max. I just watched it last night. Um, hot damn. 
I want him to do more and I want him to give us some horror. I know he's like dabbled nearby the genre because I saw something at Sundance last year. But like I want him to go full throttle because the way that he <laughs> the way that he tells the stories, I just I can't because he's like dealing with like family trauma and secrets, but making it funny, but also being really honest and open. Like there are multiple moments where he's like, I don't really have jokes for this one. I'm still processing it, but it's just part of the story, y'all. And I'm like, <gasps> and so let him write something, whoever's looking for more black people to be doing horror movies, not Blumhouse. Hmm. Hmm. Oof. Shade. Always. <laughs> Shady lady. <laughs> Shady lady over here. Goddamn. I will add this to my list. I'm and right. it's less than an hour. So like Ooh, it gets, right? I'll open that up to the top of my list then. Can I put it on last night? Because I was like, I'm doing taxes. I need to be picked up. And I I don't say I was picked up, but I was <laughs> I was I felt hopeful because again, like watching somebody else deal with family trauma and family secrets and make it into art and find humor in it is just something that I don't think we have enough of. Because usually when we have black people in trauma, it's written by white people and we know how that goes. That's why we have a podcast. But I'm going to have it be somebody who gets to tell the story and own the narrative and be like, this is my messy fucking up family. Um, but also I love these people, even if they don't love me. And so like to just see that in real time, it was kind of really healing and encouraging, even though like completely separate situations. That sounds so good. That sounds actually really, really good. It's more of the therapy I have to get from TV because I'm in America. <laughs> I hate how relatable that statement is. Right? Right? You quit an awful job and it's just like, well, unplug that therapist. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> she had so many more stories to hear. We had so much more work to do. <laughs> Where is the lie? Listen, <laughs> there is no lie. All right, now that's so. Now that that is over with, what do we got today? What is our topic today? I'm happy you asked. Um, <laughs> what if that was my real voice? I, listen, I'm I'm gonna go up for it. I'm here for the drama. All I'm right. gonna start talking like this, and Ooh. nobody will notice. Yes, they'll be like, "Oh my god, is she drinking water? Is she hydrated? Is she awake and alert?" And I'll be like, no, this is my interview voice. Hire me. You know, um, it's funny because everyone knows you so well, they would probably assume you were being sarcastic. If, yeah. like, if that was your voice, it would be like, like, they're like, what did I do? Like, <laughs> I'm a serious journalist now. <laughs> yeah, whenever you turn that voice on, for the people who are just listening, Either Sheree's shoulders will go up a little bit, or it's the eyebrows. Something has to be like heightened a little. Welcome, welcome in. Welcome. Okay, we massacre. get it. You're mysterious. Goddamn. Right. That's my audition for a Marvel villain. Um, because like, it can't just be Storm's bangs. You got to have somebody else also be a villain. <laughs> Evil. We gotta Evil. move on. We right? gotta move on from Storm's Bangs. We can't let it have us in a chokehold like this. But they do. <laughs> that person chose violence. They were like, you know what, Halle Berry? Fuck you and your <laughs> self-esteem. Bam. <laughs> Yo, like, ah, listen, ah. why Halle Berry tweeting about the call? Listen. Oh, no. 
on yeah. Twitter because apparently it was like trending on Netflix and Holly went on, on Twitter. She was like, y'all okay? That movie came out like 10 years ago. <laughs> Somebody in the comments was like, the real hero of that movie was the wig. And she responded, she was like, stop playing. <laughs> like we said in our in our wig, in our wig episode. Holly, she's too hot. We gotta turn her down some steps. Right. This is right. this is not okay. They were like, I will not be the nah, I want upset. Fuck this. <laughs> like you can just know somebody, probably like the person who was playing like Phoenix or like Rogue was like, um, I thought I was the star. Yeah. <laughs> Or in the call, like, nobody's going to believe that she's, like, an average woman. No. No one will, no. Slap that, that whatever They clearly like the challenge. They clearly like the challenge because Uh they put her in that helmet and then they put her in khakis. They were being very (laughs) rude. They were like, this is what she would look like if she worked at Target. (laughs) (laughs) Not Tarjay Berry. I really cannot. Tarjay Berry. (laughs) And that has been this episode's wig watch. We are always fucking watching. No one is safe. The first hairline of defense cannot rest. We it's cannot so rest until my all my friends have edges. We cannot rest. Oh no. Ever since we did that episode, I feel like we see a lot more wigs. Like, some of the stuff oh, yeah. I've been sending y'all, like, I'm like, what? I feel like I haven't seen this many since we did the episode. It's like we put out a charm to attract more of it. <laughs> we summoned them. I The other day, I put a gif in the group chat, but then I changed it to a different one because the wig was too wrong in the first one. I was like, I can't. We can't see that as a collective. I've seen it for all of us. <laughs> I'll find another way of communicating what I, my thoughts are. <laughs> But oh yes. Lord. Um, for this topic, black sidekicks that should be leads. <laughs> oh, um, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Because if there's one thing movies are gonna do, it's put a black person in the smallest role possible. So we have a lot of people <laughs> we never get to see shine. Um, but they managed to pull it off anyways. So we're gonna hit up some of our favorites because clearly this list could go on forever. It could be the podcast for the next couple of years. <laughs> we wanted to really get into it. <laughs> um, but we're going to hit you out with some of our faves. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, we first will take a quick layover for some real talk. We're going to be talking about the things that are associated to the topic, but aren't actually the nitty gritty. And I wanted to get the ball rolling with, you know what? When I put this on the list, I kind of felt like we talked about it before and maybe Sativa told me otherwise. But um, Marlon <laughs> Marlon Way is supposed to be Robin in Batman Returns, and is still getting paid uh, from it because I definitely feel like we we chatted about it on maybe the wig episode. I feel like I record I to wig episode. I, I record to actually no. Okay, I think okay. it was for we deserved. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. There we go. I don't yeah. know. We yeah. just be talking. We, listen. <laughs> Who cares? Listen. We'll talk about late. it again. Right? That makes you feel well, better. I want somebody to like pull up at the end of the season and be like, here's how many times you mentioned Marlon Wayans. Here's how many times you mentioned Halle Berry's wig. Here's how many times <laughs> you we forgot what show you were on. What? <laughs> What's the name of this podcast again? Right. Talk about Marlon Wayans. <laughs> the Marlon Wayne massacres. <laughs> oh no. 
blurdy movies. I'm just <laughs> bring it on. Just, just in case, I'll follow up with another real talk. That is that is one that I don't think we've spoken of. But um, when uh, so because one of the movies we're going to be talking about is I still know what you did last summer for obvious reasons. Mm. Apparently, the scene where the um the bartender that um, catered to the teenagers when she was like impaled uh, mm-hmm. by the that originally was supposed to be Brandy because she was not supposed to survive. Those motherfuckers. Yeah, I should have known. That's should have known. In the script, like that would have been Brandy's demise, but um, they flipped it, and I'm happy with what we got because I fully thought Brandy died <laughs> the first time I watched that movie. Okay. They put her through everything. I the only thing I like about that movie is that Brandy lives because it's <laughs> that is not my franchise and that is not my sequel. Um, <laughs> and so all I can say about it that's good is Brandy survived. Um. Yeah. Julie James has an issue where she's the final girl, but we don't know why, because her sidekicks are always better than her. And I'm gonna just leave that there. I hate that. I hate that that's like a thing. And that's not even just this movie. Like, there's plenty of movies that thankfully have been semi erased from my brain because they never have that big of an impact. But it's like the community that drives the plot not necessarily the main character and then everyone else dies just to add uh dramatics and you know raise the feel of the tension and it's kind of like that's not how this would play out in the slightest Mm -mm. if all your brains and your brawn and your wittiness and everything is just kind of like swipe from you like i don't know i don't know it's because she's a virgin it's because she's Christian. It's because there's some always some weird underlying, you know, oh, she's in white and she's this. So therefore, you know, it's everyone else's duty to like feed you to the end of the movie, I guess, or whatever. But I don't know. I still, I still, I, I still know what you did last summer um, was kind of one of those movies for me. Um, and even though it was great that like Brandy didn't get nuked in the first 30 minutes, like we maybe would have guessed, um, it was like one trope, you can't check the box for one trope, but then you could check the box for another trope. Like, you know, there are those five and it's going to be at least two of those in that category. And yeah, they are not the first to die, but there's four other categories that like need to be paid attention to. Um, so it wasn't really it for me, but Hey, we got to see Brandy and horror and like, I would like to circle back to that eventually. Hey, Brandy girl, what you doing? I got a podcast. You want to (laughs) come? Let's get a movie that we all like. Let's get her in one of those because like this one happened and I mean, almost doesn't count. You said it yourself, Brandy. Almost doesn't count. No. <laughs> we need a do-over. <laughs> one without Jack Black in that wig. Oh my oh. God. <laughs> What'd you say about the Jaws theme song? You, see, you hear the Jaws theme song. It's just sadness and yarn. Air Tony pops out of the pool with that wig on and the wig is dry and he's wet and I'm just like make it make sense I hear the Jaws song like y'all in danger why are y'all still on this island this ain't right you ain't safe here look the at him is it mathing. Look, look at him 
he is sweating and dripping and his weave, which is yarn and sadness, is just like clinging to him. It's like <laughs> sucking his soul from his hand. We're never going to get over this. I want an apology from the production and Jack Black. Like, I just, <laughs> that's what I need in order to start healing. And I can't start healing till I get those things. <laughs> no, Jack Black is not the villain here. I want to talk to hair and makeup. Yeah. But I also, do. I feel he like could, he could have been like, no. you can say no. No is a sentence. And he never tried it. He was like, that looks right. And he put it on and he ran around like where the wild things are. And I was like, good sir. Good His- sir. Do you? Let me tell you something, Sean. You're right. His ass should have said no. Zoe Zeldana should have said no when they had her do Nina Simone. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people who should say, you know what? Look. I need to protect my brand. Right. (laughs) And I'm just not doing this. Listen, literally, if you know you're about to do something that's messed up, you need to think about the Twitter streets. Because, like, we're going to see it and we're going to talk about it. And people are going to ask you and your mama and your auntie, do you want to bring shame on your whole family because you want to wear a bad wig and hop on some water and brandy? Or do you want to do the right thing? (laughs) Do you want to Zoe Saldana like thoroughly fucked up though. <laughs> Which makes me sad because we were rooting for her. Yes. We were all rooting for her. Like, you know, a bad wig is a bad wig is a bad wig, but like a prosthetic nose, child, what? Come, come what? Come on now. You saw that coming from a mile away. You can't tell me otherwise. She was that- just thinking about her bag and not about the Twitter receipts. That car came from inside the house, and it ain't supposed to be that. <laughs> it ain't supposed to be that way. <laughs> um, some more real talk because we're doing black sidekicks that should have been leads. So you know we can talk about Rachel True. After we talked about, um, we talked about her a lot. But after we talked about her tarot deck, I ordered it, and I'm living my best life. And she includes oh, essay. Right, I love it. Like I highly recommend it for people who are starting tarot because she makes it easy and accessible. Um, people were trying to come at her because the cards are made of paper. And I'm like, I, I don't know what else you make them out of. Like, I just, mm-hmm. do you have golden cards? Um, no, wait, 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 wait. Seriously, though, like, if they're tarot cards, what else would they be? Listen, the reviews are so many Karens. It's too flimsy. I had to eliminate it. Um, she said it's diverse, but I don't see any heavy people. And I'm a fat woman. And I'm like, you don't know what's going on under these dresses and robes. Like, also, like, she said it was diverse. She didn't say you see yourself, Karen. See yourself out. Um, So, like, (laughs) I'm happy that I ordered it despite the reviews because it's the best purchase I've made for myself in a very long time. I'm sorry. I I need a second to come back from that. (laughs) Okay. All right, Gravity. Take it easy. No, she did. Okay. But <laughs> um, but some of the essays that she attaches after the descriptions and rundown of Major Akana are essays from her life. And I think that's really cool that she shares that. And some of the stories let me know just how little care they gave her during the craft. Um, and it also gives me insight into her relationship because she's the only Black girl in this foursome. And like the PR team was not going to send her to do PR. And so, like, Maeve Campbell called her up and was like, are you ready for this? And she's like, ready for what? And she's like, we're going on tour, right? 
And she's like, I've heard nothing. And I'm I'm one of the four leads. And of course, Maeve Campbell being Canadian and not understanding racism is real because Canadian <laughs> um, was like, I'm sure they're just doing it because like me and one of the other ones are famous. And so they probably just didn't think to, it's not about race. I'm sure it's not about race. And Rachel True having to be the only black person is like, yep, can you get my phone, please? <laughs> And then like name and then we're like, we, you need to put Rachel in. And so they gave Rachel the call and she got to go, even though she was salty because she was definitely like only going because the white girls were like, oh, you didn't invite her and she feels the way. And so you should invite her. Not because the PR team was like, we have four leads, only one that's mm-hmm. black, we should invite her. Wow. That shit is crazy. I, I don't know if this is like common knowledge at this point. I think, I, I do feel like in the blurred community, it is just because we be holding on to shit, uh, rightfully so. But so you said she attached some essays in the tarot deck that lets you know this information. Yeah. Oh wow. Cool. Air that shit out, girl. Good for her. I I'm loving it. Like if you're just a retro true fan and you have twenty dollars and you didn't want to do tarot, it's worth it just to have the guidebook because like that's how she like gets the point across to the major Arcana. Um, and so you don't just get like the fool, but you get like the fool and the rundown of the fool and then a story that it applies to in her own life. Um, I know about like a brother she lost and how that card played with that. And like, I, it, it's a lot of things that help you remember it and remember how to like really fill these cards and then like really let it in. Because a lot of us could just be like, oh, I got this, but I want to read it this way. But like, uh-huh. if she's telling you about the boyfriend who like made her literally hit him in the face because she got so angry, <laughs> um, you're like, oh, I can't, I see that now. I get this. And wow. so I think it's yeah. just, again, black women always giving you above and beyond and doing all of this work. And then people being like, it's made of paper. <laughs> Ew. Trash. Yeah. Oh my God. How do you even, total misconnection there. The Karen conspiracy. The Karen conspiracy. Ooh, that's an episode idea right there. <laughs> <laughs> the Karen conspiracy. That. I'm being dead ass. I'm writing that down. Right right now. Now. <laughs> the Karen conspiracy. Anyway, I wish that I really wish that the producers of the craft had would would have known at the time how monumental it was for little black girls to see Rachel True as one of the four leads in this kind of supernatural spooky teen teen movie that was like i don't know like everyone knows and rachel true will talk about it i love when she talks about it just because it makes me feel seen at the time when i first saw this movie but you know fans she's got like two main groups of fans right she's got like dads who are run up like oh it's your uh half fake from half fake the girl from half and then the other half are, um, you know, young black girls at the time in 2000, whatever, who, you know, oh, you're from the craft, the, the black girl from the craft. She was the black girl from the craft. Go ahead. I'm about to say there's a third slice, the one that I fit in. I liked her from half and half. I knew it was going to oh, be you. Right. I knew it was going to be you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Ryan about to come in with half and half. Ryan about to come in with half and half. Yeah. And like, Through <laughs> this journey of discovery. <laughs> my shit. <laughs> like that half and half comes up specifically when she's getting to the strange card because the pictures she had an inspiration for while she was taking a trip while she was making that show and wow. so yeah 
No, I like her essays. I, I kind of want to just like read the essays without the cards sometimes when I'm just like, what was Rachel True like when she was <laughs> a baby? Oh, so yeah. I, I heard an interview with her. I don't remember where exactly I heard this, but it did come from her mouth. There's, you know, that one scene in the craft and the four of them are lined up like shoulder to shoulder and they're like walking and it's like slow-mo and very badass. I'm pretty sure they use it in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And Rachel True was in the middle, like in the in the front, in the middle of the four girls, which is and she said at the time of filming, like, oh wow, I don't I don't know what I did to deserve to be in the front of this scene. And later on in life, she realizes because she has the biggest chest, <laughs> which is why <laughs> they put her in the front. That's Not right. necessarily because, you know, she looked great in hair and makeup and it just worked the best for that scene. And she was a charismatic character. No, it's that out of the four girls that so she had the biggest chest. And if they're walking in slow motion, that's and, and it hurts that that's the reason why that would put her in the front as if like that's all that she's good for when she has this entire group of young brown girls who are like, oh my God, the witchy brown girl that should that was me when I was in school. I me and my friend group. And then the producers are just like, Yeah, she got a big rack, put her in the front. Ew. I I hate this for her. Everything I learned about it, I hate for her. Um, but also, it, it was the movie she needed for her career. And so yeah. it's just like, this is how much shit we got to put up with just to like do anything. Mm-hmm. I I don't remember seeing another Black witch as a child because I watched anything with witchcraft because I figured out feminism is coded for witchcraft. But it was white feminism, which is why my idea of feminism was wrong for so long in my earlier years. And so to have her and to have Eve from Eve's Bayou, who wasn't like a full-fledged witch, but had some like mysticism in her and her aunt. And that's it. That was it for us in the 90s. That's all. I can't, not in America anyways, maybe in other countries. I, I don't know. Who the hell knows? Right. But you know, that those two characters are like, we really hold on to them, which makes them like incredibly monumental. In, in a community and I just hate that you know nobody could see that until the second coming of Blurreds kind of exploded like after 2010 and we really became like a force to be reckoned with and people realized that this is a, an entire demographic and we have I'm putting my, my pointer finger next to my thumb very close right now listeners we have this much to work with so what we do have we really freaking hold on to it anyway I'm getting a little upset. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And I think that we're all upset because like we're, we're talking about black sidekicks and these are mostly from like the nineties and before, but like, it's an ongoing problem. It's an ongoing problem today to be like, Oh, are you a talented black person? Do you want to be a supporting actor for this person who's less talented than you? What? The are you okay girl is still a real thing. Yeah, the are you okay, girl? Very much so. Yeah. And that lovely note, I guess we'll get into these movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what else we got? <laughs> I'm not dealing with you. <laughs> um, okay, we've already been talking about her, so let's go ahead and start with Miss True because... I don't know how you could do this topic without her <laughs> because like Rochelle deserves so much better than she got in that movie. 
as far as I'm concerned, she was the movie. Like, I know it was supposed to be following Robin Tunney and her bad wig, but like, it wasn't ever about her for me. Like, <laughs> I was like, where Rochelle at? What's she doing? Yeah, I have to agree. Like, the the main, like, focal point of the movie just kind of scooted over Rachel True's character way too much for me. And I know that, like, from when, because I feel like it's known at this point that there was supposed to be a little bit more into her life. Like, we were supposed to see her parents, for example, and see some of, like, her home environment. But, you know, it was cut because they wanted to make room for more of the White Witches storylines. I mean, that's not the reason that they would say that it got cut, but that's essentially what we ended up with. And it's, I don't know, it set a bad precedence because, like, when The Next Craft came out, it was very similar, like, um, in that it was so force-focused on the main witch. And then, like, the other girls didn't really get that much of the limelight. And, oh, Legacy? the Right? Yeah. Legacy. I didn't know that there was a trans girl in the group until, like, the middle of the movie because she had a line. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, what's her home life? Because, like, I'm, I think it's awesome we get to have her and it's not about trauma and about transphobia. But also, if it's, like, a buried line in the middle of the movie and a Google search after the movie goes off, then, like, who's that for? Mm-hmm. It, exactly because it's a mischance to for someone to see themselves represented properly like the more that you dive into the trans storyline there's a lot that can be talked about there same difference with like you know rachel true's character same difference if we had seen her home environment that would have been a, another point for people of color to relate to her right right and the fact that they cast her and was like well her thing is racism now um when nobody else has anything that's like something so like blatant because like mm-hmm. Nev Campbell's character has the scars and her mother's pressuring her to like look perfect um you have I forgot Farisa Balk's, Balk's character's name Nancy yeah. you have Nancy who's a psycho um but also has a bad family life <laughs> and yeah. so you, you almost want to feel bad for her but also she's wild out and killing people so you can only give her so much <laughs> and and you have Robin Tunney's character who has that bad wig and just moved to a new environment and then it's just like, well, Rochelle's black, so this one girl's racist, and that's her story. Period. Yeah. The end. And it's a double whammy of sin, because like by them only focusing on her and not adding her family, or maybe even a cousin or a sister or something, we only end up with one person of color in the film. Whereas, like, if you're someone at home who is white, like, you have three witches that's like, am I more a Nancy? Am I more a... I can't remember the other girls' names, but yeah, them. And, like, yeah they don't matter it was Rachel True's movie um and I'm also mad because the same writing team was like what if we try to make them feel bad for the racist which you can't you can't the girl was calling her the (laughs) n-word with her full chest and torturing her I'm happy she's bald I hope she got balder I would like to leave the scene (laughs) there goes your scalp (laughs) right right no, you want to come from somebody? Well, snatch your hair. <laughs> like, you two can get a bad wig. Apparently, we got plenty of those going around here. <laughs> like, I, because they definitely try to do that whole, like, well, why is it me? What's happening to me? It's like, you're a racist bitch. That's what happened to you. <laughs> this, is, this is you drinking hatred and like, poison, and now your hair is gone. You played games. <laughs> now hmm. it's not anymore. Minnow knew not to give my ass no powers because she wouldn't have got the word out. The moment she was like, I don't like, and she started to say it, I would have said, like, I would have put my hand up 
and her shit would have twisted around like Reagan off a of fucking <laughs> Right? No, she would have said I and her father candle and lit it right then and there to be like, we're gonna do this shit. Go ahead, finish your thought, bitch. It's your last mm-hmm. thought. Right, what? exactly. Start putting this <laughs> and then pull out a killjoy doll or something. Like <laughs> not a killjoy. No, no, no more killjoy. Bad. <laughs> I've had enough. I bind that reference from harm from harming others and itself. I bind that reference. We don't want to see a cross-platform between Rachel True's character and the Killjoy universe. No. Oh, God, please, no. No, I would say no for her. Like, <laughs> I would be like, she don't want it. She don't want it. Keep your clowns over there on Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, no shade to Tubi. We love, love you. Tubi. We love you, love Tubi. Yeah. <laughs> Tubi's that girl. What? <laughs> Killjoy, though, mm, not so much. Not so much. Another black woman done dirty. Miss um, <laughs> Alfrey Woodard, who appeared in Annabelle, and they rewarded her for this by letting her be the sacrificial Negro who threw herself over the balcony for a That shit event. was too much, and it was dramatic as hell. First off, so off- dramatic. Whoever wrote that script was like waiting for this moment. They're like, I have the worst trope ever. And I can't wait to show it to you. It's going to be so dramatic. And yep, that, bop, ba, da, da, da. Oh, the, you could hear my eyes like roll to the back of my head. It was so ridiculous. First off, when Alfred showed up, I was like, she's too famous for this movie. What's happening? I'm saying. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, especially because it's about this like mid-family. And I'm like, I don't really care about your problems. These are <laughs> these are personal problems. So what's Alfred Woodard doing? Um, <laughs> and so for her to be like, no, you get to keep your child. I'll go. And it's like, no, you just met. The, you don't even know the whole story. For all you know, they invited this demon in their own lives, which is usually what happens. Why are you out here? I, this is when I was like, me and the Condor universe got to maybe like have a fight real quick. Cause I came to it late in life and it's like, I'm gonna watch them all in order. Mm. And the movie started out fine. It was fun. We had some good scares in this home invasion moment. And then it like went forever in a day. <laughs> Their new life. And I was like, I don't care no more. Are we going to get this doll? Or are we not going to get this doll? <laughs> and then to uh, the Alfred Woodard, ah, I have rage. I have rage. And this is why like, I can't be friends with nobody who like, touched this script. Me and James Wan, even though he gave me malignant last year, were not cool. Like, <laughs> I stepped over him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do feel like I am definitely not excusing this behavior. Like, at all. But malignant was like totally the you know, it was like it was meta as hell. It's, I I digested it as like James Wan knows of knows damn well of all the shitty horror movies that he's made that are absolutely just ridiculous. Maybe shitty isn't the maybe shitty's kind of harsh, but like that kind of I don't know. Maybe I should use shitty. I don't know. I love I him know. and I ride for him. He's a very important person in uh in the industry for us but you know what i'm saying it was like he knows about all the ridiculousness that went down which is why malignant was so ridiculous like out front which makes me kind of think that i mean maybe i'm being optimistic here and i just like i don't want to have to write james one out like everybody else but 
self-aware of like how that's just so fucking stupid. There's just like no other way to put it, especially like it aged horribly, so horribly. And it wasn't even that long ago. What, maybe Liz- like five years ago? Liz- Six, Liz- seven? Uh-huh. Something like-, like that. Let me see. I'll double check while y'all going. Keep going. Fact this- check me. This is the movie that separates me and James Bond from having a great friendship. Yeah. Because it's always in the back of my head. It's like, you let them do that. As a producer, yeah. as a whatever you were. Because he didn't direct that one, clearly. That's why it was so slow. Um, But like he's involved in this franchise to the point where he could have been like, let's not sacrifice the one Black woman. Let's not do that. As a person of color, you should understand that tropes have our people gripped by the neck so just like let us go <laughs> let me die put me out of my misery in a not dramatic way that's just for absolutely nothing that shit is so overrated like it just i have not had as fun with that universe since i saw that because like i think about it no matter what i could be watching the first conjuring or conjuring 2 or the newest one or even the nun and i hate the nun too um but like it's always like they did that to alfred woodard <laughs> and so, like, it's already a negative three points <laughs> no matter where we're in the universe now i'm like yeah, three points off just it's not looking so good for for the long run it's really mm-hmm. not it's not. It's so mm-hmm. not. Um, I and then so the newest Conjuring movie, The Devil Made Me Do It. Mm-hmm. They skirted the issue by having the black people be cops with one or two <laughs> scenes, and I'm like, okay, so we get to live, but now you're doing that trope. Um, so do you not just like black people? Just say that. Just say you don't like black people <laughs> and stop doing these. Don't play games with me. Don't. And then he comes out like to the woods, looks around. Mm, this don't look good. I'm like, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure that this is, this is making up for the sin of what happened with off the water. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> this don't look good. No, sir. It, it does not. Ain't that the word? <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, no, when I first saw uh, when I first saw that uh atrocity, I was like, why? I didn't it just didn't make sense. Like she literally just jackknifed out of the window just because something's happening to white folks. Like she has the range to deliver a lot more than that. And it they could have even like if they wanted to kill her so fucking bad, <laughs> they could have like turned her into a damn zombie or something and just at least get her paid and put her in a few more scenes or something but i mean even you know what now it's like that would have been better but that's still it just sucks because they didn't give her any other storyline than my contribution to the movement of this film is making sure that the white people make it and i'm i'm not okay with that and i don't think i ever will be uh did they do that in I know we don't like to talk about this very often. Freddy versus Jason, are you about to say that? No, no. I think I might be mixing up these two movies in my head, but y'all could clarify for me. Did they do that in Jeepers Creepers too? I haven't seen that in so long because that Victor Salva and me are not going to sit down. I don't know if they're beating any black people in that though. No, there was a hoodoo voodoo lady. The hoodoo voodoo lady. It was her job. Like, don't you hear that tune and you run. I and I think that. she actually came back later to like warn uh what's his face? Uh Long Justin, Justin Long. Um, I don't remember if she died, but either way, it didn't freaking matter because she was fulfilling the trope of don't go in there. I got <laughs> voodoo knowledge, so let me tell you, because I'm a 30 century old black woman who knows my way around these these fucking folk tales for some goddamn reason. In the middle of nowhere, Texas or whatever. Can we Ew. just talk about how black women over 40 in the horror genre have to be hoodoo voodoo priestesses and or maids? <laughs> you and know just... what? Make a Venn diagram. Make a Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> like, one side is like just a straight up mammy. And the other side is like the hoodoo voodoo lady, and you it, it will almost almost be a full circle, like maybe two degrees off from a full circle. Right. Ew. No, like it's it's real. I'm just like, oh no, you're 39. This is your last year. Have fun. <laughs> Have fun. Um, and then you cut to their birthday and like, oh no, this apron showed up. <laughs> and I'm like, well, oh, it's no. been decided. <laughs> you will be doing hoodoo. That Sorry about it. Not the apron, anything but the mammy apron. I'm Hollywood just sends kidding. them out. It's just like, oh, who's turning 40 this year? Apron, <laughs> apron, apron. Mm, incense. Apron, apron, apron. Uh-uh. <laughs> apron, apron. Yo, I'm writing that down too. We about to come out with merch awards? Is that what we're Oh my doing? God. Apron awards. That's I... too much. It's like Duck Duck Goose. Apron, apron, incense. <laughs> Oh no, not <laughs> Please. Please. No. And you got Octavia and Ma being like teetering. 
<laughs> she deserves so oh much better. God. And we can't we can't like fully rope her into the theme of black sidekicks because she didn't carry that movie, but she had the tropes of a sidekick, which were just like truly pathetic. I mean, like her character was just like I, I was hype when I heard of the movie and saw the trailers and everything. Cause in my mind, I'm like, yes, we got a black woman slasher. Finally, like, you know, hoping this could be a franchise or it could be a thing or, you know, we need a fucking, we need one. We need somebody. I mean, Candyman has been around for a while now, but like, it's time for a new character. So I was imagining that Ma was going to be this vicious, you know, serial killer mutilator i don't know something for us and she just ended up being like so pathetic like as a character was just like you you don't even you're not even afraid of her she was just sad shit i was scared of her so i (laughs) i was very afraid i kept like because first off yes fractavia not playing the maid for the first time ever in her career but also the things they put her through, it was such a lifetime horror thriller movie. <laughs> You're so right. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Like at the end, was she like fine? Oh my God. Okay. So if y'all haven't seen Ma, these are spoilers, but it's fine. It's Ma. Um, <laughs> like at the end, <laughs> when she has all of the kids hostage and they're waking up to see what she did to them. And she painted the one black kid white. I was like, I feel like this is a hate crime of some sort, Ma. I need you to unpack a lot of things for me. Because <laughs> he woke up and because everybody else is like, oh no, I'm tired of this. Oh no, I'm stable to that. Oh no, my tongue is cut. And he woke up to a hate crime. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like, <laughs> that was Blumhouse, right? Oh, I'm sure it was. What? <laughs> it, it has Jason Blum all over it. <laughs> Smells like it. Listen, I'm um, sorry. I also her wig. We need to go ahead and give her her we she needs to do an episode later in life because there's just a lot to be said for Ma um and what could have been and what we ended up with <laughs> and the wig and the cardigan combos. Um <laughs> a wig and cardigan. Yo, you know who would rip her apart? I know we're not supposed to talk about this anymore. We're like done. But Chris Rock would have a bunch to say about her on that fucking creamy crack. <laughs> But I guess it worked for her character, so whatever. It did. It did. It did. I I just I had to see the last of it um, recently. I think VH1 was playing it before a Drag Race, and I was like, "Y'all picked Ma this week, really?" And so I I was watching her carry herself up the stairs as the house on fire, and I was like, "This movie really was out of pocket." And I I keep saying I remembered it <laughs> wrong, but I did not. It just felt like a fever dream, huh? Right. I was like, I'm gonna take this secret somehow win for big black women, but I don't. It don't feel like a win. <laughs> I'm gonna accept it because what else do I got? It had potential, though. It really did. Yeah. I wouldn't even be mad if they tried to give it a second shot. She could be alive, and she could be terrorizing another group of kids. It's it's just it just felt like a waste for Octavia because she's just like. She's phenomenal. She she's is definitely, amazing. She's definitely alive too because of the post credit, uh, the little alternative ending that they had, where they show her burnt up and walking around inside of that um, veterinarian uh, place. Oh well, hey, cliffhanger. Maybe yeah. they should just like sell the rights to Ma yes. to Monkey Paw and then 
see if uh you know they don't want it it. (laughs) (laughs) we don't want your baggage (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine that pitch deck just a bunch of cardigans and like the mushroom bob wig And it's like Octavia won't return our phone calls, but she did originate the role. So we're <laughs> Don't call me no more. Right? No, like they really did that to her. They were like, you know what? We saw you in the help, and we want to somehow make it worse. Oh, <laughs> let us let us do this. And I was Yo, like, you know, there's a is one another like sketch comedy show. Black sketch comedy show. I'm like blanking on the name right now. Um, I think it was on Netflix. Damn, this is going to eat me alive. But anyway, there was a skit that ran me for a fucking loop. And it was like, uh, it was like a uh, self-help group like uh like alcoholics anonymous but for uh black characters in cinema that have been wronged by tropes yes so like what's his name from the green mile was there (laughs) uh morpheus from the matrix was there (laughs) and like i'm pretty sure uh the instructor or like the uh the head of the self-help group was like morpheus's um granddaughter she has like all this baggage she's like you know like my grandpa he always told me that i was special but then would turn around to tell this white man that he's the one and you know that <laughs> that that really hurt me on the inside <laughs> so like they have a bunch of like hoodoo ladies mammies and they're like all right we need to see if you can make it to the other side of the hallway without without helping any of these white folks asking you for help you need to get from point a to point b in one piece without accepting any quests from white people. And it was like a whole big deal. Anyway, I have to link it. Maybe I'll put it on our social media later, but fucking prime right there. That sounds awesome. It it hurts because it's like really fucking relatable. <laughs> Shit like that always fucking hurts me. I'm like, oh, uh-uh, it's funny because it's true. Oh, <laughs> oh, that shit hurts. What else do we have on our list? We also have, I still know what you did last summer, which we touched on a bit in the real talk with obviously Brandy's character, Carla. And like Sheree said, I mean, that was the whole damn reason I even watched the film in the beginning. Oh, yeah. It definitely was not my, I was not part of that congregation um, (laughs) of the I know what you did last summers. And after that third entry, I think we can all agree why. Um, There was (laughs) was a script for a different version of the third one that actually would have been canonically connected to the the source material. I'm listening. So, so what would have happened, they would have, of course, immediately killed Brandy's character. I think she was like the first one to die in, in this theoretical world. Sounds and, about right. <laughs> yeah, they're like, wait a minute, one slipped through the cracks? <laughs> they told her, they gave her a severance package. Look, you could either choose to be... Um, and they start to look at the list, a hoodoo lady, a mammy, or we can kill you right now. So what do you, which, which package are you interested in? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I've never even seen the third one. 
I just Ooh. saw it two days ago. Um, oh, really? It's fresh. It's real fresh. I <laughs> I don't know if I've ever hated a movie more. Like I know I've hated some movies, but I don't know if I've hated one more. All right, let me ask you this. You have to sit through the whole movie without blinking. Is it this one or is it somebody help me? Oh God. <laughs> oh God. You have you can't. And also, you can't choose to kill yourself. You have to pick one. That was my only recourse. Um, <laughs> I I think Somebody Help Me is a better movie. Damn, it's like that? Really? This is, this is bad. This She's is, right. This is real bad. Like, I, I have nothing nice to say about it. I could literally... Had I seen this, I would have known how bad it was to have the idea to make it a show. Because I was never a summer kid. I never liked this franchise. And I like Kevin Williamson, but this was not for me. Um, but I was like, I'm going to try the show. And I watched an episode. I'm like, oh, no, that's awful. And then I watched this movie. I'm like, oh, so this is where we just built on this shit. Okay, then. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I did watch the... I originally watched the second one first just because Brandy was in it. I mean, that's like the only connection I had to this movie. And then I watched the first one just for continuity's sake. And then I was, my deed was done. <laughs> I watched the first one because as a kid, I read Lois Clark Duncan books because there was a lot of women writing young adult horror. Um, it was all Earl Stein, Christopher Pike. And then I was slipping on Stephen King's. And so I was like, I want to see women writing horror. And so I read the book and I was like, mm -hmm. oh, the movie. And so I watched the movie. I'm like, that's not her book. <laughs> and I never came back and I didn't find out Brandy was in the second one until I was an adult because I was like nothing else to do with this franchise this franchise is dead to me <laughs> and I was like oh if Brandy's there I'll try again and I was like I shouldn't have can I ask you a question how is it because I've never read the book how is the book different so again I was a child and so I can't even pretend to know all of it right, right, but right. I remember the book making sense like it wasn't this convoluted we have to explain what we've done because we don't know what the fuck we've done <laughs> for the last half hour of each movie um, and all three of the movies fall into that because they're just like oh here's how we have to explain it not because it's clever but because it don't make no fucking sense <laughs> and I'm like why don't you just make it make sense and that way you ain't got to spend 30 minutes explaining how you got to this conclusion too much <laughs> work we don't want like, to do that if I wanted a word <laughs> problem I would enroll in a math class I came here for a movie uh, so like I just they bother me um, I think that the characters might have also been better because I don't remember hating Julie James in the book I don't remember hating her at all um, and again, like I, I don't love Jennifer Love Hewitt, but also she wasn't given anything to do with this character. <laughs> and so I don't know how much was them failing her <laughs> so she could fail me as opposed to her just failing me. <laughs> um, it's, the book was better. I remember that as a child and I kind of want to reread it. It's on my shelf and I might, when I'm less bitter about this trilogy that I just had to embark on. It's not a series, is it? No, she was a one and done. Uh -huh. Like, and I think it's another reason why the next two get even wilder because they're like, we don't have source material to start off with. We're just out here in our fields. Give Jack Black a wig. And I'm like, that's not where oh, you start. Oh, no. That's not where you start. <laughs> I mean, they got Moesha right, so. Listen. <laughs> F to the oh, oh, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> we played that at my party, uh, at, at the party on Friday night. The, yeah. the crowd was bumping, That's followed so by the all that theme. Oh, it was great. Oh, God, yes. Yes. Listen, 
The all that theme is the best theme that was ever given to a sketch show before a black lady sketch show. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like Megan Stallion for that first season in order yeah. to beat the all that theme because they're like, you know, what we can't do be shut up by a bunch of kids in the 90s. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Well, I guess they got Brandy right. They owe her a lot for that franchise because, besides that, I don't know. I really don't. It's about Brandy and it's about Helen Shivers chasing in the first one. We don't Accurate. need. There's nothing else to take away from these movies. And I, again, I fucking fucks with Kevin Williamson. He gave a scream. He gave me Pacey on my screen every week in Dawson's Creek. Like, I, I tried not to say anything bad about him, but I feel like this time he was like, y'all giving me too many notes when I give y'all good stuff, so here's some shit. And they're like, thank you. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, no, my name is on this <laughs> Or Julie James was always cursed to play second fiddle. Like, and it's sad because, like, you're 100% right. It was about Helen Shivers in the first one, and it was about Carla in the second one. And then there was no such character in the third one, like because no one was that likable. It wasn't diverse enough. Mm. And you could tell that Kevin didn't touch the script. You could tell. Like, it was very much, tell me the creator don't talk to you anymore without telling me the creator doesn't talk to you anymore. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Damn, it's like that. Oh, He didn't shit. give them an outline. He didn't give them a kind word. He didn't like give this. them a fuck. <laughs> he gave them nothing. <laughs> he like, said, peace. He's like, nah, I can't do this no more. Uh, I'm going to go do Vampire Diaries because I got to get my okay. reception back. All and right. I'm like, damn, Kevin. <laughs> damn. It's a lost cause. <laughs> Time for vampires, though. <laughs> That is so. They, that is they so ran him out of the slasher as a whole. All I want to do is write slashers. They're like, not like this. I'm gonna go find some vampires. Where's Ian Summerholder? We're gonna make it work. <laughs> I don't like that man. Something about his face just kind of like. <sighs> I, he used to be mildly attractive, but something happened in his face. And I don't. I, I don't know when it happened, but it was not the same face. And I don't want to come after people who are aging or like getting too much bad work done because bad work happens to people. Um, like Courtney Cox is coming back to us, and I'm happy that she's coming back to us. But like, there's something not right. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like when your friends live in those like um those filters on what the fuck is that app? Oh my god, yeah, yeah. It's like change your entire face, right? Right? And so it's like pulled up and away, and you're like, good sir, can you blink in there? And I'm like, (laughs) somebody help him. Sure, it's like blink twice if you. Sure, it's like blink twice if you need help. And Courtney Cox is like, I can't. I can't. (laughs) Look, I I'm really happy that she has owned what she's done and she's letting it like get back to good because she was gorgeous. And I think that like Hollywood fucks with women specifically, and so she felt she had to get all this stuff done. Um, especially she was dating somebody who was like twenty something years younger than her. And I'm happy that she's. I didn't know that tea. Her and David Arquette, yeah. Oh, I did know oh. that. Too. I didn't know they were that. I didn't know that was the age difference. Yeah, me though. either. It, it was like, mm, mm, mm. like oh, I haven't pulled it up in a minute, but it was noticeable. Um, because question, because I like, do you know if she spoke up and said that by the time that because I know they were together in Scream Two, for example. Um, yeah, they, like they were getting what, divorced around four. Okay, okay, because I was about to say that's the reason I didn't know the age divide between them because she looked so good in Scream Two and he did as well. They looked like they were around the same age. I mean, I think I always knew she was somewhat older just yeah. because of the way she, um, like her career was set up. But I didn't know that like it was that much of a difference. Do you know if she was getting work done around Scream Two though? Because she looked good in that. 
she looked good. I something started happening in Scream Three, but I couldn't place mm. it. And like also when it's settled, it's settled. Um, That's but I, true. She, I forget where I read it, but she was talking about how she just overdid it, and her friends finally had to be like, "Girl, good stop. friends, good friends." Then <laughs> at least they're like, because I mean, I think she had something done between like one and two. She looked fine, but like. Yeah, you're right. Around three, that's when I started noticing. And it, I mean, the bangs didn't help either, of mm-hmm, course. Again. The no. infamous bangs. <laughs> the bang-a-yangs. The bang-a-yangs. That was worse than anything. I would take anything over the bangs. Listen, I was like, oh, what happened to your head? <laughs> what is- you, you know she had a nerve to say that. Um, She thought that they were cute. Yeah, she was going you for a Betty that. Page thing or something. She's like, well, you guys can say what you want, but I thought the bangs were super cute. Everyone on the internet was like, girl, quit playing. In the last two, two and a half years, David Arquette finally stepped forward and owned mm-hmm. blame for those because they were still together at the time. Because I think Scream 3, they were just getting back to their honeymoon, so they were supposedly too tan. Just <laughs> um, but like he was like, I found it with like a cute Betty Page thing, so I suggested it, and I was like, you fucked up her hair, and then y'all got divorced. That's why. Wow. Say it again, Sheree. I'm leaving your ass today. Right. You got hey. these, these motherfuckers <laughs> out here laughing at me. She was like, I'm leaving you. Look at my hair. Look at this. You did this. Um, and their kid is like, what happened? Why? What's going on? Why is mommy's hair look this way? Why is she packing? And I knew knew Screen 3 had hella scripts because, you know, that's their thing that they do. So I'm like, is this, like, from a cut scene that, like, Ghostface slashed at her and she came back and and that's what happened? Like, I need some story as to why her hair is set up like this. Why is it looking like the Dewey Decimal System, like, sitting right? (laughs) I'm very confused. (laughs) This is the haircut I expect when Helen Shivers woke up and saw that she had had her hair handled by the fisherman. Who <laughs> left? Brother Ghoulish has left that. Because Helen woke up with layers and shit. She's like, oh no. I'm like, yeah, someone was in your house and that's creepy, but you look great, baby. And she is like, no. And I was like, why couldn't you do that on your own, though? I mean, get a lock on your door, but also, this is how you take care of your hair. Um, meanwhile, the Wendy Cos like she got attacked by like all the slashers. <laughs> Not all of them, even uh, Victor Crowley from Hatchet came in there. And Listen, <laughs> Leatherface handled those bangs with a chainsaw. He was like, <laughs> Oh my if god, if Scary Movie was like still around and the Wayne's brothers were still involved, that would be a great fucking skit. It but would just have all of the slashers do her bangs. <laughs> I thought of a, you know what, Zero, you gave me an idea for one of our episodes. We actually should talk about like what horror the Wayans would have touched on if they kept going through with Scary Movie. Because like Writing there's so down. much stuff. You know what I mean? Can you imagine them fucking with us? Can you imagine? And Malignant. <gasps> oh my oh. God. They would eat that shit up. They would oh eat that shit Let up. Let me see. Us and Malignant for sure. Okay, Zero, you got the one in the pot. Come on. Who would you I can see, see Sean Wayne's fat to somebody's back right now. I'm fucking losing it. <laughs> and I want that. I want it right here, right now. Give them the money. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh God. That would be so juicy, man. We're doing it. We're doing yeah. it. I have to save my ideas for that episode. <laughs> Listen. It's happening. It's going to come right after the Karen conspiracy. Yes. <laughs> the Karen conspiracy. 
<laughs> and before the the biggest episodes, y'all, that we ain't told them about yet. The oh, mm, oh. Mm, yeah, y'all are mm. in for that one. <laughs> we got some things in the horizon. <laughs> it's still loading, baby. We buffering. I forgot what the hell we were talking about. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, we did. I still know what you did last. So did y'all have any? Uh, did y'all want to hit that shit one more time before we no. move on to the next movie? No. No. Let's move on. Leave her in the past. She know what she did. <laughs> this one is going to break my heart. Of to announce, Scream Two because we all loved Elise Neal as Holly, and she deserved a better death than the one that Bobby perfectly <laughs> brings up when I be talking to him. Whenever he because he has the picture saved in his phone of Holly when she's like, what? And he randomly sends it from time to time and it randomly sends the fuck out of me. They did her dirty. They did her wrong. <laughs> the fact that he has it saved lets me know that Bobby Torres is notorious. He is a Gemini. Um, I'm tired of him lying to me about it on all the socials. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, her death makes no sense. Like, first off, she's in that trope of, well, our white lead is in college, so she has to have a black roommate. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, but what else? They're like, she wants to be in a sorority? And I'm like, okay, what else about her? She really wants to be in a sorority? (laughs) 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 And then you give her that death, which makes no sense. Because, again, like, this is not Sydney's first time almost getting stabbed. I feel like if she wants to know who Ghostface is, she can do that while they're at the car. Um, if she does get that far, bring your friend back with you. Don't leave her at the corner. So she's like, what? what? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, then, the, the knife was too loud. Did you notice that? It was like, I'm like, what? what is he using? Like, what is that noise? Is it the gun blade from Final Fantasy VII? What the fuck Screaming. is he killing her with? Stop this. This is madness. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious if somebody went back in and made an edit and actually like swapped the noises. <laughs> so every slash would be like a shing, a shing. <laughs> no, just cutting from watching her get stabbed and me slurping pasta. Just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) And that concludes our ASMR section. (laughs) Oh my God. You knew, you knew that Kevin Williamson had something to do with this script when we saw that the roommate was black because even Julie James had a black roommate who like, uh, basically it was like literally mirroring in itself. Because, yeah. like, that's how we saw Brandy. Like, she came in through the thing. But he learned. Because in Scream 2, I feel like we were able to, just like, I still know what you did last summer, right? We're able to actually see a person of color with more people of color along the film. And then it, like, moves along. So it could have been worse. But it also could have been better. So no pass. No olive branch. <laughs> we let Dewey get stabbed 98 times. And live, but we couldn't let Hallie. <laughs> he killed the fuck out of her. He hated her ass. That shit is embarrassing. I'm sorry. Like, right? Like, all Dewey had to protect him was white man magic. <laughs> he, got, 
he got stabbed in every location, every scene. <laughs> like the movie sometimes like, is he is he okay? He's just like waiting around getting stabbed now. I don't know. Are we not in stab? Are we are we still in screen? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Hallie is like, oh no, one and done. Um and she was also because like the first movie had no black people. I count it. <laughs> no black people. And so we get here and you kill Jada and Omar up top. And I'm like, okay, we like an iconic death, but also you don't have a lot of black people apparently in California. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm like, okay, I see Hallie. What you gonna do to her? I see this cameraman. What you gonna do to him? And like, luckily the cameraman lives because he left with one of his three scenes and then came back. But you know what? I will give them props for that because I feel like a lot of people would have got the fuck. I feel like a lot of people definitely be like, oh no, uh uh-uh. And then when they figure out the killer to be apprehended, pop back up at the end of the film. I was screaming when he popped back up. I was like, I cannot with him saying, oh, it's it's clear? All right, let me get this bag real quick. (laughs) Let me get this bag. This last time I rewatched Scream 2, because I've seen it so many times, but this last time, after he like tells Gail he's in the fuck out of town and drops the bag, I watch him walk behind her to the taxi and get in, because I never thought that. I did he not really catch that. Go back to that scene. It's so funny, because it's like, I'm not going to do this. Your last game man was fish sticks. He throws the bag down, and he starts walking away, and she starts talking to Dewey, and you just watch him get further and get in his taxi, and the taxi drives off to not hear her. Hell no. <laughs> my favorite thing I never noticed about that movie. Oh. <laughs> I mean, accurate though. I'm getting the fuck ASAP in the words of Tokyo Tony. I will never quote her again on this podcast. I apologize. Um, But <laughs> but yeah, no. Because like, yeah, no, that's all I had to say. I felt like I had something else. But then as I started to open my mouth more, I realized there were no words left in it. So <laughs> You know what this <laughs> reminds me of? I... I was okay. I'm listening to you guys talk, and I, I'm thinking of Fresh. Did y'all watch Fresh yet? Oh God, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know if I wanted to put Molly on this list because one, I kind of feel like she is. A, I mean, she's not the lead. Like the lead is Noah, but she's definitely like no sidekick. Like she is is the day saver. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So she's, she's not like. Yeah, she doesn't have these like pathetic qualities that a lot of these characters are written into. Um, but what made me think of this just now is the uh, bartender at the bar. Yep. When like uh, she, uh, she's got or he has Molly's location when she goes to see what's up with her friend because she's a good friend. And he sees that she's out like in the boonies and he's like, okay, let me pull up. He pulls up. And then that's when you think because, okay. When I watched the movie the first time he pulls up to the house. Right. And it's like dark and scary and shit. And my mind immediately compares this, what I'm seeing on the screen right now to when, uh, Rod pulled up to the house and get out. And then he like, saved the day uh and was able to take chris home you know consider it fuck a handle ts motherfucking egg that old shit <laughs> and i'm like oh like that's great like he's gonna come save the day or whatever and then he just pulls up and he's like nah i've seen this movie before i'm not getting out of this alive turns around and goes the fuck home <laughs> right <laughs> 
I wanted Molly to have his energy because Molly was out here risking life, limb, and tit to save her white friend. Life, limb, and tit. I was so mad. I was so (laughs) mad because I'm like, okay, I get you want to like save your friend, but also are you making smart decisions as you try and do it? Because she's definitely like in the killer's home, turning her back on bitches (laughs) and Uh, calling phones. Like, Molly, girl, I know you know what's going on. Don't do this. She's a real one, though. Molly energy. So I'm going to like halfway add her to this list because she is a bad bitch and but she doesn't have that patheticness. Like that's how if you're going to have a black secondary character who's going to serve something for the story, this is how I think it should be handled all of the time. And, you know, this movie just came out this year. So naturally, as a society we're learning how to handle these situations better but that's also not an excuse because like if you look at the matrix trilogy um and even the new one that came out but i mean besides the new one because that one also came out very recently but the original matrix from uh late 90s early 2000s handled their poc sidekicks very well because even though you know, we have Neo as the main character and he's the one who's driving the story, really. Every, for lack of better words, black sidekick, black supporting role served a purpose, like everybody. Yeah. And it even gets to a point in the second and third where, you know, you're kind of, they, they kind of have characters that are like experimenting with like gender identity and you know, they're not just throwaways like you see in the craft. So it's, I mean, it's not, I don't believe that it's acceptable to have these types of throwaway characters in the year of Joe Biden's America right now. But it's also not an excuse from any of our past movies because The Matrix is is old news now. Like everybody's seen The Matrix. They're not new movies by any means. And the Matrix did it phenomenally throughout four movies, or let's just talk about these three. Did it phenomenally throughout these three movies that are like decades old at this point. So, what's your excuse? Listen, listen, because it's always sloppy, and you have like your Timmy Burton's out here being like, black people just don't belong in my stories with his full chest. And we don't talk about it enough in real time because they're just like, well, it's his world. I'm like, fuck his world. Because uh, I live in this world. <laughs> he needs to live in this world or he needs to stop making his little shitty sad man movies. That's what he can do. <laughs> um, <laughs> Damn! Accurate. Yeah, I'm not going to fight with you on that one. No. I heard and you. I, I was a Tim Burton fan as a child because dead people. And Who wasn't? Like, all okay. of us were. That's like, that's how we stumbled and tripped and fell into this fucking hellhole of a fandom. Listen. <laughs> And then you look around and you're like, he has never cast a black person. Aside from, of course, <laughs> Batman 2. Because <laughs> yeah. Billy D. Williams was like, I'll be the only one. Oh, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Listen, it was the Hunger Games. It was like, only one black person in my whole resume. Who's it going to be? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And <clears throat> as bad as it is, that um, Timmy Burns <laughs> that definitely does this sin. It's bad enough that enough people cape uh, for the aesthetic and try to, like you said, like say, well, it's just his aesthetic. And like, I think that's rooted in this misinterpretation or this like wrong idea 
that like gothic is always like pale skin and like dark clothing and stuff when it's so much more diverse than that it's it's thematically more diverse than that and it's really silly because when you think about movies like corpse bride that he's involved with that cult that feels like it is extremely influenced by cultures of color like you think about like um the dia del muerte and all that like it, I thought that there was more sensitivity on his part seeing that type of stuff when in mm-hmm. reality it's just really whitewashing and claymation and his stuff could actually be very robust if he got out of his own way because the same thing with the treatment of the Adams family I feel like they're heavily influenced by cultures of color as well mm-hmm. and so what is a whitewashed version of that going to look like like all of his other sad white man movies I I will never forget when I was actually reading somebody's think piece on A Nightmare Before Christmas and how it's not, what was the, it's not Ooga Booga. It's not. Oh, Oogie Boogie. Oogie Boogie. And they were like, the only black person technically in this whole movie is Oogie Boogie. Let's talk about, listen, problematic. So maybe we don't need to be in his world. (laughs) And I'm like, damn. Oh, no. Because, again, that was, like, my favorite thing as a kid because you don't understand how, like, people were just out here being openly racist and Hollywood's like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Collect your check. Okay, anyway, so uh, payroll. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? I just... And the fact that people will still support him and they don't question it. Because it's one thing. Because we all are here for problematic people every once in a while. Yeah, but you can't be out here defending them in the social media being like, that's his aesthetic. His aesthetic is racism. <laughs> so like, yeah. that's not a, that's not an aesthetic. That is that is a lifestyle. <laughs> and yeah. I need him to unpack it. Mm-hmm. Is that really the hill that you want to die on? Right. Racism like, as an aesthetic? I don't think so. An aesthetic is like, oh, he likes to use blues and greens in his work, or yeah. oh, he experimented with this kind of film stock. It's not. I don't see brown people in my work. That's not. That's I, not an aesthetic. <laughs> when I read that, and then my girl that's created an episode on it, right after I read that article, so I was like, hot. I was like, fuck you, Timmy Burton. Fuck you. I'm not going to give you no money. <laughs> Timmy. God damn it. I almost called up my like brothers to be like, all that shit I brought you with Timmy Burton on it from nieces and nephews, throw it away. <laughs> throw it away. <laughs> I don't know how it would feel. Like, there was that fan casting that went viral on Twitter. Um, for the, uh, a potential live action corpse bride with uh, Timothy Hot Chocolate and the girl with like really big eyes who's in the first Spider Man. Yeah. Brown girl. And she's like very beautiful. Um, and she's got like, I mean, they both do. Timmy Hot Chocolate too. Those like, they got the ter- Tim Burton like cheekbones that are like way up there. You know, they look the part. And then naturally, I think that his Tim Burton's fans have kind of adopted the what they think is an aesthetic. So of course they were the ones to get upset over Homegirl. And and this isn't even real. This is just like some fan on Twitter is like, hey guys, what if? And then everyone gets mad. Um I call that brainwashing because that's not that's not real. The people on Twitter that are happy to show their whole assholes um are plenty. Plenty yeah. because they won't even let people pretend what it would look like if they saw somebody who looked themselves in these worlds yeah. anymore. But like, like, how dare you even think about it? <laughs> Don't even think, right? 
you can't have your, your thoughts. Okay? Uh-uh, it's over for you. No, but like, for example, be- <laughs> if that were to happen, I mean, there was a lot of that. That shit went viral. It was like all over the place. Hypothetically speaking, like if that tweet landed in Tim Burton's lap and he's like, you know what? I could roll with this casting. Let's do it. I think I still might be a little bitter to be completely transparent just because he never addressed those comments that he made. I don't think, which is, you know, it could be an easy fix. And although people like to think that, you know, once you're canceled, you can't be uncanceled, but I have seen like good apologies. There's such thing as a good apology. Like just because you get caught and you have to apologize doesn't mean that there's no bouncing back. But at this point, it's been years since those comments were made. So in my mind, you don't really care. Um, so I don't know if that's something I would want to see or maybe just like a new director, producer who has, you know, a, a very specific aesthetic in mind that could create these genre films. You know, there's infinite options. So I think I'm done. <laughs> I also am over people acting like cancel culture ever affects white men because it doesn't. Like he said that and white people stood up for him. (laughs) They were like, it's his right to be racist. It's America. It's his right to be racist. Imagine that's crazy. Listen. um, And so the fact that like cancel culture, like he's making an Adams family right now and he has Jenna Ortega and Louis Guzman. And he's like, that's enough brown people. Let's make it the rest of it white. (laughs) Cause he's back in the spot shit. Because Netflix is like, hey, hey, sir, you gotta you gotta at least try. You gotta at least try. And he's like, fine. But everybody else is white. <laughs> oh, and so like I don't when was he canceled? When was anybody canceled? Louis C.K. got a Grammy not even a month ago. That's crazy. And we out here fucking with Will Smith because he hit Chris Rock. And I'm like, you know what? That ain't right. But also what Louis C.K. did really fucking ain't right. No. People forgot about that. Like OD. They really did. Right? Like Casey Affleck be dancing away with awards for doing nothing. Like he hasn't, I don't think he's ever tried. He's never tried. Um, at least not on on screen. And he tries a lot of things in real life, which is why he should have been canceled if cancel culture was real. Like mm-hmm. I can give you a list of people I wish were canceled and they will never be canceled. But we also talk about how they're canceled and how they're impacted. Like people are still riding and dying for Johnny Depp. And like it's been established Johnny Depp's been an asshole for a hot minute. Yeah. Like the the records are public, like, and people are like they're trying to ruin his career. I'm like, he's ruined his career. He's the one doing it. Um, he's hurting himself, and you won't even let him do that because you're like, I have to see everything he's ever touched. Um, <laughs> he, he, they won't even let him hurt himself. Right? <laughs> That's crazy. Because like, he's trying to cancel himself, and they're like, No, we won't let you. Um, I feel the same about Josh Whedon because I, I love Buffy. I used to love Whedon's work, not even going to lie. Um, I've been trying to get some distance from it because it hurts that he's a racist who also hurts women. Um, and he wants to be that villain. He wants that villain edit. It's like drag race and he is the talking head. He's taking the camera. He's like, don't you forget I said this. And I'm like, what if we could forget though? He's like, no. Um, but there are people who also just won't even talk about Buffy in the way we need to talk about nowadays because, like, it's not what it was before we knew. As Maya Angelou said, once you know better, you do better. Mm. And you can still engage with the shit, but you also have to be aware of what you're engaging with and who created it and who might have been harmed in the making of it. And if you don't do that, it's a really fine line before you're just like, I'm good with anything that happens to people as long as I get entertained. Ugh. 
Ew. Those are my soapboxes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for those. God. I hate everyone. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody except my podcast co-hosts. Right. <laughs> because we agree. We have all the same opinions. So it's safe here. Right. Right. Blurdy. 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 No. We're Timmy Burton's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. All right. So this my last entry into uh black sidekicks that should be leads is uh sir dick from the shining um specifically uh stanley kubrick's shining mm -hmm. um what the fuck guys i'm Say always it. i'm always really angry because first off stanley kubrick was an asshole and this process was awful and torture for actors for no fucking reason other than he was an asshole but also his adaptation kills Dick Halloran, where even Uncle Steven, who's problematic, never met a person of color that was not magical, was like, he should live in this novel. I, I'm doing a lot of things. Like, Uncle Steven will find a way to have a chapter where white people yell the N-word in any book he's written. But even he was like, this one Black character should live in my novel. And Stanley Kubrick was like, nah, uh, uh. <laughs> and he did this to him. And wasn't even going to write a way around that to make it make sense. The dude literally has the shine. He sees things. He's seen everything up until the moment that a shotgun is, is going to appear. At like, it, the math isn't mathing. It doesn't make sense. It's just like, we're going to keep him for character development for young Danny until he's no longer necessary. And then we're just going to, it's like it, I almost imagine like during filming, they just kind of like wrapped it up like, Oh yeah, just, you know, shotgun to the chest, you know, just something, anything, you know? And it, it's also just like really fucking, vile because aside from Shelly, I I would say that Scott Mann was probably the most abused on set from like the footage I've seen. Like he would make him film scenes like almost in the three digits. Same scene over and over and over until the man was almost crying. And then you're gonna like do his character this way after you torture him. And we don't talk about what he put him through enough because like we're in America. So we're like, oh black men. Um <laughs> but this white woman was really tortured. And I'm like, mm -hmm. but both can be true. You can go, you can you can call out for both. You can ask for justice for both. You don't have to be like, well, Shelly first. Yeah, no, it's not the oppression Olympics. It's not first place, second place, third place. It's just this is a shitty man mm -hmm. who put his actors through a whole fucking lot, and in one case, just wrote off a character like, <laughs> and just completely ignore source material. Not that that's a problem. It's totally okay to to deviate from source material, but. That didn't even make sense at all. At fucking all. One of the things I will give Uncle Steven is he hated this adaptation. He hated it so much that he funded a different adaptation. Like you know, later. and I have heard that I haven't seen it just because people talk about Stephen King's The Shining. And the first thing I always hear when that is brought up in conversation is just like a comment about how bad it is or how it's not Stanley Kubrick's shining. Um, and that's whatever. I also think it was made for TV too. So it's like longer. 
Um, but I just never tried, but I'm assuming that Dick doesn't die. I've only seen it once when I was a kid because ABC was giving Stephen King all the miniseries that mm-hmm. era. And so, like, he came out with this, came out with, like, Strong of the Century, he came out with Rose Red, and he was finally getting things done closer to what he wanted and closer to his, like, work, but also on a TV budget. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I remember it not being the best that I've ever seen, but I didn't hate it as much as I hate the movie The Shining, because I, again, even as a kid, I was like, why is it so long? Why is it so boring? Mm-hmm. And it's because Hollywood will let a problematic white man do whatever he wants and say it's art. And I'm over that. <laughs> I'm just over that. <laughs> it's not art because he's awful. It's art because you want it to be art because he's awful. You don't want to talk about how awful he is. Damn. Bars. Go listen, off, Stray. <laughs> I've had nothing but time to watch these movies and be like, oh, is this what? Is this your king? Is this your king? <laughs> <laughs> Wakanda forever. <laughs> Yo, speaking of The Shining, I... I'm curious. All right. So last episode we talked about we're going to have this uh, stage adaptation of The Shining coming coming through soon. I wonder if, well, I hope, I hope to God that they're going with the novel for inspiration as opposed to Stanley Kubrick's. They have, they, now nah, they have to go with the, with the novel adaptation. So let's go i'm ready i'm gonna be looking for this scene this scene dick's death i don't actually know how it plays out in the book but for his character um would you like me to ruin it for you no okay yeah no yeah i do okay um so he shows up to save um danny and i forgot her name because it's been a minute um and he succeeds like they all get away and they leave jack and because i think danny's like you forgot the boiler dead he's like oh fuck and so he's like running down there and the three of them hop in the snow plow and they make it down the mountain um and then they hear it blow up behind him because he doesn't make it in time and so like it's it's a damn spicy ending and again like i have issues with uncle steven i'm not gonna lie because he he's somebody to have issues with but i feel like this book did things that like had you respected it when you adapted it instead of just being like I'm a problematic white man I do what I do um mm-hmm. it would have made for a better movie because like part of the reason I hate this adaptation possibly as much as Uncle Steven is because the book was better mm-hmm. like for all of Uncle Steven's faults the book was better we had a different Wendy um she was that was her name I think Mm-hmm. Um, and she had a little bit more backbone and like she had made ultimatums and that's why like Jack was trying to get his life together because she's like if you hear my kid one more time we're done um, whereas this one she's just like I scream and I cry because that's what Stanley wants and I'm being mm-hmm. abused I don't know any other life um, <laughs> um, and and like even like Dick Halloran had more going on um, because Uncle Steven overwrites and so I felt like I knew more about this character granted it was Uncle Steven writing a black man so mm. Mm-hmm. But I, <laughs> character, it was just a better time. So when I made it through that book and I put on this movie as a child, I was not having it. I was not having it. I'm hoping for a second life with the stage play because I really am invested. It's. I, I think it is probably one of my favorite Stephen Kings. I'm not reread any of his stuff recently, um, just because like it actually does do a lot. Like it. In the book, you also understand Jack's journey a little bit better about alcoholism and addiction. And 
in the in the movie sort of tossed aside. It's kind of like, oh, we're just gonna do some ghosts real quick. And it's like, no, he's trying to make a difference. He's trying to atone. And so you understand that there are states and this family's really trying to become a family again. Whereas here, it's creepy from the beginning. And so you're like, well, why are we with him? Why is Jack mm -hmm. creepy? <laughs> um, there, there needs to be levels. As Kendrick Lamar said, there's levels to it. You and I know. <laughs> um, so I just, I, I don't understand why Stanley Kubrick saw that book and was like, let me ruin it for four hours. That's a great question. Wish I had an answer for you, but alas, yeah, I don't. I, I know that this is a long episode, but we cannot let it go without just at least acknowledging on this list, we have 13 Ghosts, Raw Digga as Maggie, who should have been the lead. Like, should have been, the, it should have been about her. It should have been. That movie rocks so hard. I do love that one. I love her. But. I, want, I just, I, I have questions about it, but also this is a long episode, so I'm not going to reopen the questions. <laughs> But I'm I'm here for Maggie, and I see her, and I'm happy she lived, and she deserves a better family to nanny for than that one because they tried to like <laughs> they tried to get her killed in this class house, and I just yeah yeah um I did love Raw Digger as Maggie as well, um and I was wishing that with Dick Holleran's character in The Shining that they would have kept him around because it would have been more interesting anyway. Especially because, like, the more interesting thing about The Shining is the shine. Um, the the most interesting thing about Thirteen Ghosts was this idea of what the ghost probably went through and everything, and less about like the central white family. So that was just a misfiring from the beginning, anyway. And so to get more raw digger, and that would have been fun, especially because her interactions with Matthew Lillard was like hilarious. Like when they were in the bowels of the castle, and, and they were just like bickering and going back and forth i'm like can this be the movie like can for some reason like maybe they're paranormal investigators or something and they're exploring these ghosts because not only did the central family not entertain me but they just didn't really make sense so that was another point of disconnect for me or a point of contention how you can't afford a real house you had to move to a tiny apartment but you can afford a tiny <laughs> You got bills that are overdue, <laughs> but you can afford a black nanny. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Priorities. Right. Priorities. But like also, Matthew Lillard made me happy. He was at Reddit's pink party a couple of weeks ago, days ago. I don't know time. Um, because Reddit throws a pink party for her birthday every year. And so it was nice to see him and her and like their little like good girls family interact again because that was canceled. <laughs> um, it was a casualty of this COVID. So. Uh. The Covita. Yeah. That's cute. Right? It is. But yeah. You want to take us home, Brother Gulish? I'm going home. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, God. I'm done. I'm done. Grab the apron. <laughs> Not the golden apron. Apron for apron you. Apron for you. <laughs> One day, because I have your address now, one day you're just going to open up a package with no return address and it's going to be an apron. What? I will lose it. I will. I think I will pass out right at the door of my house. Right? It's going to be happy 40th. <laughs> that's, a great, that's actually a great gift. Like, that's actually hilarious. That's hysterical. That reminds me of when um, 
Mill actually got a cardboard cutout of Justin Bieber for his best friend and put it up <laughs> in her house to scare her, obviously. Oh, God. I, I cannot. This is too good. Listen, I... I love, I love a good gag gift. Mm-hmm. Keep your eyes on your boxes. <laughs> for real. So, everyone, thank you for listening to Blurdy Massacre! This was a good time for all of us. And if you want to continue the conversation, please do so on social media through Twitter and Instagram at Bloody Massacre. And wherever you're listening to us, if you have the ability to do so, please rate and review us, especially five stars, because we're some five-star chicks. And until next time, we will see you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.